Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. This is the podcast that strives for growth, not perfection, and that is a very good thing at the moment. We aren't in our usual recording space, we are working from home, so the audio may sound slightly different, but we will do our best to bring you our friendly gardening content. But some things don't change. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine, and as usual, I am joined by deputy editor Blake. Hi, Blake. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? It's a lovely sunny day today. Yep, the sun is beaming through my window. I'm sitting on my sofa and I'm surrounded by my uh, myriad of houseplants. So I'm very happy. I'm good. That sounds like a pretty good way to self-isolate, to be honest. (laughs) It's a bit strange, but it's really nice that we can still do this and it's nice to hear your voice. But uh, for now, we've actually got on the phone with us ITV Love Your Garden's Katie Rushworth. So she's the self-named Queen of Spades, uh, writer, presenter and gardener. So hi, Katie. Hello, everybody. Hi, how are you today? Hello, Laura. I am very well, thank you. I'm very grateful of the beautiful weather, which means that I can get out of the house into the garden. Yeah, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. It has been, it's been really nice to spend some time in my own garden, actually. So even though it's kind of crazy times we find ourselves in, there are little silver linings, um, like being able to get around, you know, getting around to weeding my own garden and, and enjoying some time in that. Yeah, because I suppose you must spend most of your gardening time in other people's gardens. That is exactly right. Yeah. So I have all these great ideas for other people's gardens and absolutely exhaust myself making them. And by the time it gets to my own, it's like any job. So it's a bit like a busman's holiday. I do love it. Um, but it is, a, yeah, when you've been out building other gardens, it's it's something you really have to kind of psych yourself up for to spend the weekend gather. <laughs> so now you have got the chance to spend a bit more time in your own one. Have you got different plans this year? What are you What are you going to do with your own garden? Well, it's been it's kind of all been turned on its head, really. Um, the property that I'm in now is a, a converted barn. My me and my husband have been developing it for the last three years. So we only moved in at the end of last year and we had planned to have all the back garden the landscaping was meant to start on the 7th of april so it currently looks like a builder's yard um and i was so excited after three years in the planning of them coming and lo and behold coronavirus strikes and now nobody is coming and it's still going to be a builder's yard for the summer but we're all healthy and you have to look at the positives but yeah, I'm currently looking at it now and there's a big pile of rubble and lots of half bags of sand and a couple of oil barrels that the builders have been using to burn things. And it's not a pretty sight, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you mentioned looking at the positives there, which leads us very nicely into our, our first question for you, which is, can you tell us about any of your real gardening successes since you started out and anything that really stands out to you? Um, I think the real garden successes for me are when I feel that my customers um, are empowered enough to do things off on their own back. So when I go back to see clients and they say, you know, that thing that you mentioned, well, I've kind of taken that bit of knowledge and I did this. What do you think? And it worked and it's amazing and they've kind of had that confidence to do it. I think that for me is definitely where I get my kicks from my job when I feel like I've passed on some knowledge and given someone the confidence to just have a go at something themselves and they've done it and it works and that's just brilliant. Yeah, that's really great. I think sort of empowering people and giving them those tools is 
is a big part of it because I think sometimes the fear around knowing what you're doing can be what stops people from getting out there and giving it a go, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And gardening is not, you know, it's not a hobby for everyone. Lots of people see it as a chore and something that they have to do. So then if they go out and do that chore and it doesn't work or the plant doesn't grow, then it just be kind of comes becomes this even, you know, this worst task that people have got to get around to doing. So I think the more little bits of knowledge you can give people that make that chore, you know, a little bit more enjoyable, then maybe it might become a hobby um, because they kind of had a little bit of success. Um, So I think that's really the, you know, the thing that you have to get through to people is just a little bit of information and a little bit of kind of holding someone's hand um, will help them kind of stop seeing it as this thing that they have to do and some hopefully something that they can enjoy. And I guess at some point, as you say, it then gets to that point where it's like, okay, I've, you know, you've had your help and now you're ready to go and you can do this by yourself. Um, and it must be nice when it gets to that point, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's all. That's kind of all I want really from the, my job. Um, I like it when I get emails. Like I, I built a pond at the end of last um, autumn with a customer. She already had one and it was really small, so we made it much larger and she wanted to encourage lots more wildlife. And this week she sent me a picture via email of frog spawn and she was absolutely over the moon. Oh, and I'm like, yes. That's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just really nice to get those kind of emails where, it, you know, and I still get them from clients all the time of, oh, I've done this this week this is in flower that we planted and it's just those little things that uh, yeah keep people yeah it's just know, knowing that what they've done brings a smile to their face when even I, when I'm not there anymore it's brilliant yeah and it must be amazing as well sort of seeing it go from the raw materials that you get at the start to total transformation to the garden that they really want yeah I think that's the hook for my job from for me anyway is the transformative part kind of starting with nothing and creating something like any makers do, any, whether you make clothing or whether you make, I don't know, you, a, a recipe. It's kind of that beginning and end point is the really satisfying part. Mm. Um, and gardens can be transformed quite quickly. You can do a project in a day, like it took us a day to build that pond. Yeah, it was a long day and it was a hard day, but we by the end of the day, we'd like, made this amazing new wildlife pond Mm. so that is really yeah a big pull for me still even after all these years of the fact that you can change something um so quickly um well we then like to move you on to perhaps the the less popular set of stories can you tell (laughs) us about any garden fails that you've had over the years or any funny things that have happened and haven't quite gone to plan Oh, it's quite a tricky one. I think my probably in my early days, like when I first started out gardening, I used to do garden maintenance, so cutting hedges and lawns and basics like that. And I remember helping a gardener, um, and there was the like three beautiful. Well, I say beautiful actually. They looked like they needed some TLC um, euphorbia. They would have been beautiful if I'd left them alone, um, but they were. <laughs> they, they had some scraggly stems, and I wasn't <laughs> sure what they were. It was I'd only been doing it maybe a year, and I didn't do much on the plant side. I just did hedges and lawns and things. But she'd said if you could help me tidy up this border and cut back this border anyway, I just I, I just annihilated them. 
just put them all things back thinking it'll be fine they'll come back just like herbaceous plants do and lo and behold they didn't and I killed all three of them and I bet when they were they'd have been in full growth they'd have been like you know a, a meter tall by a meter wide like big majestic things but I just locked the whole things down thinking that they'd come back and they didn't oh no <laughs> I know but I never did it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh no, those, those ones, actually, you just need to remove the stems that look scraggly and leave the rest. And I was like, okay, <laughs> next time I wish not to do that. It often takes those things, doesn't it? It takes those things to then be able to learn from them and make absolutely. sure that you don't do it. Because you never do it again after you've done it once. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. Um, so I think that was one of them. And then... In terms of anything else, I'm not too sure. You have a good a good gardening record there. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there are them, but I suppose I choose not to remember them. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure there are them. There'll be loads of instances on the program where we've had to go at something and it's gone all wrong, and we've had to. That is definitely one that haunted me because I thought I was going <laughs> to lose my job. <laughs> oh. Um. So. In terms of things that you've learned over the years gardening, is there anything that you any sort of tips or tricks or shortcuts things that perhaps you don't do exactly by the book but things that work really well for you I'm not sure about again um not exactly by the book but one thing that I do try and encourage everyone to do and I do it in my own garden because it just pleases me such a great deal is mulching because I absolutely love when you mulch a board and it looks so tidy yeah it looks so tidy and fresh and like it's the, one of the easiest jobs. You don't have to be a gardener to do it. You don't have to have green fingers. It's not about knowing what plant goes where. It's just about feeding the soil and putting on that lovely thick mulch of either homemade compost or well-rotted manure or spent mushroom compost and giving it like the nice blanket early, in early spring around things. It just it just sets all your plants off looking lovely and you know it. you've done a really good job and it's done the soil good and you've suppressed the weeds. and It's just such an easy win. Um, so I, I really I find that really satisfying to do, and some and it's an e- yeah it's it's really simple. Anyone can do so it. If, and get if, kids involved in it. If people can't get out to the garden centres at the moment, so would you recommend sort of just using your homemade compost? Homemade as a compost, mulch? yeah, absolutely. We should all if, if you've got anywhere you can be making compost right now, that would just be the best. It's the best thing you can do for your garden. Um, you know, you can't buy better than homemade compost. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you can be getting on with that and we're all kind of in and we're all cooking more, a little bit more from scratch, we're being inventive. So any scraps from the kitchen, uncooked scraps from the kitchen, vegetable peelings, all that kind of thing, clearing out your cupboards, you know, any bits of paper and stuff that can go in. So, yeah, homemade compost right now would just be a brilliant thing to start with. Um, And would you say over the time that you've been gardening, what what is the biggest lesson that you've learned is there sort of one one takeaway that has been something that you that you come back to time and time again um I think the takeaway from me is from for me personally is that a garden is never static it always evolves Mm -hmm. so therefore you have to kind of be that as a gardener you have to be flexible you have to kind of go with the flow a little bit, not give yourself a hard time. I think lots of people do that. They give themselves a hard time if things don't stay the same. This is a garden. It's a living, breathing, growing thing. So things don't, and lots of things are still trial and error. I like to experiment. Sometimes I experiment and it looks crap. Sometimes I experiment and it looks brilliant. Um, I get some of the best planting combinations actually by 
when I go out to buy plants for other people and I'm sticking them all in the back of my car and one bumps against another that I hadn't planned to put together. I'm like, oh my God, that looks really good together. I didn't know thought of that. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of these nice, happy accidents. Be easy on yourself. Don't be afraid to experiment. Swap and change things around. People are often really frightened of like moving plants. They think that once a plant is in, that yeah. is it. But actually, you know, digging it up in the spring or in the autumn and having a shift around, having to play with things, um, it, it takes a lot to kill a plant, really. But people think that, it, you know, digging it up and moving it is like a something to be a fearful of. So I think to just keep an open mind and, and realize that, yeah, some things don't work and some things do, and to have a go. It's funny about that moving stuff around as well, because, you know, you don't just leave your decor in your house one way forever. Yeah. Like you, you change it quite frequently to like exactly. make yourself, you know, so it's weird that people do just think that you have to just have it one way forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they really do. I've come, you know, I've, I've gardened now for 12 years, 12, 13 years. And it is and so many clients I meet and it's like that the garden has been planted like that forever. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't move anything. It's, is it a safety net, do you think? Is it just kind of like a place of comfort knowing that it's worked there so you will keep it like that? I think so. I think it is. But then they call me in to help, you know, revamp the space. And it's like, well, we could just move this to there. And they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it blows the mind. Um, but, yeah. So I think that just constantly having it at the forefront of your mind that things might not work and things might work and to move things around and experiment and that's okay I think as well there's certain things that are it's accepting certain things are out of your control like the weather conditions and stuff when we have you know a really wet summer or a really hot summer and it's just feeling like just because things didn't go exactly to plan that year doesn't mean they won't the following year as well. Yeah, and people take it really personally. Yeah, you know they see yeah. it, they take it all on like it's all their fault. But there are so many variables. So yeah, it is just um, confidence. That's it, isn't it? It's just confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would be your biggest tip for perhaps a beginner gardener that doesn't feel very confident? What would you say to give them that sort of first boost of confidence to get out there and do it? Um, the first. Um, Two things I always try and, you know, impart on people are knowing your soil and knowing how much sun and area gets. Mm. So knowing your soil in terms of is it free draining or is it water um, retaining? So is it clay or is it free draining? That's basically as simple as simplified as you can get it. Um, and so I try and encourage them to find out that I always do the bucket test with people. So I take a handful of their soil and I plunge it into a bucket of water. And if it all sticks together, then it's obviously got far more clay in it. But if it's still loose and friable, then it's free draining. And it's a really simple thing to do um, and not technical. And I know there is a lot more technical detail around soil, but essentially for a novice, that's all they need to know. And then how much mm -hmm. sun and area gets. So is your garden, is that well, is the border that you're planning to plant in south-facing, east-facing? And so how much, I ask them to track the sun over the course of the day. Um, and then once you know how much sun it gets and how much and what your soil is like, you've kind of got two brilliant bits of information when you go to the garden centre or nursery to be able to buy plants. Because usually they're in sections, so, you know, plants for uh, sun, plants for shade. Um, and it just kind of takes this huge sphere of plants available and makes it takes it right down into a much more manageable chunk. Well, only these plants are going to grow in my garden. And then you have a much better success rate. 
So I think soil and sun is definitely like, for me, just a simple bit of knowledge that can mean that people feel armed when they go to buy things and then they're more likely to buy stuff that's going to survive and thrive in that border. Therefore, they're going to stop seeing it like a chore and get some pleasure out of what they're doing. And it comes back to that confidence thing again. If things are working, then you get more confidence and then you feel like you can perhaps experiment a bit more with what you're doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thank you very much for chatting with us today, Katie. It's been great to speak to you. Good luck with getting your own garden cleared after transforming (laughs) everybody else's. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. So, Blake, normally we would go and grab a cup of tea now and head to our team chat with Rose. But obviously, because we're all working remotely, that won't be happening in quite the same way. So we will now drop into the team chat we recorded a few days ago. My voice in particular will sound different because, in part, my microphone hadn't arrived and also I was quite ill. So we will drop into that chat now and enjoy my congestion. We will now be joined by one of our other favourite people, Grow Your Own's editorial assistant, Rose, who is joining us from her home in sunny Sudbury. Hello, Rose. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? How are you feeling about working from home? Yeah, fine. Not bad at all. Got the dogs around me, so I do apologise if there's any um, barking in the background. (laughs) They're asleep at the moment, but they might wake up. So I think that's the only downside to working from home is the is the pet background noise. All right, so lovely to hear your voice though, Rose and Laura. Like, I feel like it's only been a week and yet it feels like it could have been a few months since we last saw each other. Oh, it really does. It really does. Yeah, I know. It's lovely, isn't it? It's strange times, but it's good to still talk and see how things are with everyone. Yeah, definitely. And obviously gardening is a really positive thing at the moment. So I hope we've all got some nice positive gardening stories to talk about. Yep, I've got a great story that I'm bringing to you today and it's about some research that's been done from researchers at the University of Sheffield. And what they did is they did a mass study where they looked at the green and the grey space in Sheffield and they saw where everywhere that they could grow fruit and vegetables. Um, so green space includes like parks and gardens and roadside verges and grey spaces in like the tops of buildings and things like that. And they found that if we grow fruit and veg in just 10% of a city's green and grey space, that it, this could provide 15% of the local population with their five a day. So it was an amazing study that they did. And it's all about sort of making use of our natural surroundings rather than relying on supply chains and things like that. Yeah, that sounds really great. Is that something that they're hoping to roll out across other areas I'm not too sure I'm not sure if they're actually uh, using this information to grow more fruit and veg I'm hoping they are but I think it was sort of like an introductory study like tentative just seeing if we really started to use what we have around us how much we can actually grow and how much how many people we can feed so but I hope so I hope that people will look at this information and who they might be in towns and cities and sort of create plans to grow more around them in their front gardens and stuff like that 10 percent isn't really that much space either um in terms you know no a tenth of the space available surely could be offered for growing fruit and veg yeah exactly and it doesn't seem like a massive thing no so i think yeah i think what they're saying if there's so much of this space that we could actually use to grow fruit and veg 
But if we just use 15% of it, it says here that they could feed nearly 90,000 people. So that's incredible. And especially when we have to rely upon complicated supply chains to get all of our resources to the UK. Because I think, obviously, you know, we're an island, so we have to like ship it over here. So it's like all land miles and everything, air miles. Um, so we can start looking to our own spaces a bit more. Yeah, we'll get people gorilla gardening. Yeah, exactly. You know, sort of take take a handful of seeds out, chuck them on a verge. I always have the urge to do that. I really just like, I, I'm just like, I just want to go and throw seeds everywhere. But I'm not sure that that's kind of what you're meant to do. I mean, under the cover of darkness, <laughs> no one would see you. <laughs> Vandalism. Yeah, you didn't it. hear it from us. <laughs> but that actually, um, links in really nicely with um, the story that I found this week. It's actually a piece that was on The Guardian. Think the world is ending. Grab a shovel, not a shopping trolley. Obviously, we're going through difficult and uncertain times at the moment. And the result of that means that a lot of the shelves in shops and things are quite empty. But this is actually talking about the therapeutic nature of growing your own food and the fact that removing yourself sort of from the stresses as well so I was just wondering while all of this has been going on have the two of you been making the most of your gardens your outdoor spaces and how have you noticed that's impacted you um I've found that obviously it's a bit early in the year to be producing too much but um I've spent the weekend actually getting a load of seeds in got some seed potatoes that I've started chitting um just because I think knowing that we're going to have a bit more time on our hands more than anything I want to make sure that I'm making the most of that and actually using that extra time to get out and and practice what we preach yeah and and I think anything that comes from it any extra fruit or veg that I can get from it will just be an added bonus I'm not expecting to suddenly become self-sufficient from a tiny courtyard but um yeah I just want to make sure that I'm not wasting any time and that I'm getting stuff in as soon as possible yeah I think as well I actually I really noticed personally the other day that it had been a day that was very full-on with sort of news feeds coming up on your computer and your phone all day and it can sometimes feel like it's getting a bit on top of you so I went out into the garden and potted up some seedlings and actually thought it was actually really really noticeable how different you felt after you'd done that it was just like stepping away from it all and taking a minute to just actually really be in the moment instead of constantly having this feed of information at you all the time you know that is so true I just spending a few hours away from social media was so great just to get outside soak up some sun and um and just not just you know, escape from everything that's happening at the moment and just having some time just to get back to basics and, and get back to nature and enjoy kind of getting your hands dirty a little bit, I think was really, really um, beneficial. And I'd recommend everybody to do it. I guess people that are listening to this probably are already doing it, but encourage other people to do it because it does actually really help. Yeah. And it's a way of getting outside, getting outside sort of safely without coming into contact with other people if you're isolating and because of social distancing and all of that I did actually read that news story that you were talking about Laura and I think one of the quotes that stood out to me was someone was saying that if I asked my grandma what she'd do in a crisis she wouldn't grab a shopping trolley like the um, title says but she'd go out and she'd grab a spade and she'd take a garden so it is 
doing something that's, even though it might take a bit more time, you can't just grow things instantly, but it's all about safe proofing your future when things do run out that you know that you can pop down to the allotment or your garden and that you've got a supply of potatoes or anything that you can just whip up and use and eat and share with your family. Yeah, and obviously with us all having a bit more time on our hands, it's all very well and good when it's sunny because we can get outside. But if it's on the days where it's not sunny, I think we're going to be finding that we want to watch more TV. And that's certainly what I've been doing. I've been finding myself like attached to my Netflix account. Yeah. Um, but I read a really good article recently about, um, it's titled The Unexpected Pleasures of Netflix's Gardening Shows. And this piece just resonated with me. So it's this person called Hannah and she's written a piece saying that she's got this long list of these flagship Netflix shows that she really wants to keep up with. Yeah. Um, you know, like all the really big ones, the big budget ones like The Witcher and Sex Education and all these ones that you see advertised everywhere. And while she's got those on her list of things she wants to watch, she never actually gets around to watching them. And this just is me. I felt seen. When I saw this, I thought, this is me. Because instead of watching those things, she actually just ends up going back to the Monty Don shows that are, you know, have been up forever that she's already watched before. Monty Don's French Gardens, or for me, it's been um, around the world in 80 gardens with Monty Don. I've been watching that on repeat recently. Um, and I wonder whether you do the same thing. I think there's something really comforting about just going back to a gardening show and watching it. I definitely agree that it's something there is something really comforting about the familiar and the sort of warm feeling you get from it and I mean you said you also do that with David Attenborough shows don't you I do I love David Attenborough I think um between him and Monty they're just perfect for falling asleep to they've just got these really lovely warm fluffy voices that just like send me into this happy place where I'm like calm and ready to fall asleep so I love watching them right before bed I'm sure they won't be offended that they put you to sleep but <laughs> <laughs> I meant that nicer than what, how it came out no I know I'm joking it's stressful trying to find a new show though like sometimes you're scrolling through and there's so much it's good that there's so much choice but sometimes it's just too overwhelming and you know that those old favorites are just going to like be a little comforter like for you to just sort of having the background and um, you can still pay attention but just not like you know like not following like a plot like you can just like absorb like the growing information and the gardening stuff rather than like being like really switched on with it if that makes sense yeah that's it yeah and obviously Gardener's World started on Friday last week so um I've got to catch up with it I must admit so um I'm gonna do that soon but I think it's really nice having that on at the moment everybody loves it we all feel inspired whenever we watch it. Obviously, Love Your Garden's on it as well at the moment, so it's kind of garden central. Have you also heard about the way that you can watch Netflix with your friends and family now if you're if you're isolating away from them? Oh, is this Netflix party? Yeah, and I think it's such a great idea. I did this recently with some friends, and it was so good. You have a little chat bar at the side, and you all watch it at the same time, and um, when you watch it through this extension, Netflix Party, if somebody else pauses it, it pauses it for everybody. So if you need to nip to the toilet, you don't have to be like, everybody pause now. You just click the pause button and everybody in your Netflix Party gets it paused at the same time so that you all keep up um, and you can watch it in sync, which is quite cool, and commentate as you go along. How many are there of you that can join the party? When we did it, there was three different um, Netflix accounts involved. So I don't know how many it could go up to. 
And you can like talk via it and stuff as well. Yes, it's like um, having the chat open at the same time. So if something good happens, you can and type it in. It's really, really good. A great way of saying um, keeping up your social life, even if you're self-isolating. Yeah. Maybe we should do a watch through the dirt, watch his gardener's world. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) Well, guys, it's been really great chatting with you. I do miss you both very much from the office. I know. Um, For now... We'll pass across to Chris Collins from the Organic Gardening Catalogue for his Organic Tip of the Week. Well, all plants like a good fertiliser now and again, especially if they're grown in restricted conditions like containers. And my favourite of all time is Bucking 14 Comfrey, developed by Sir Lawrence Hills at Garden Organic. This is the ultimate natural fertiliser, rich in nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, the NPK, also has a lot of calcium and trace element in it. It can be good as a mulch, it can be a compost innovator, so it means it breaks down the compost quicker. Uh, you can even use it as a seed compost if you let it rot down properly and, and also you can use it to liquid feed. You can buy these as roots very cheaply. I really recommend you plant some this time of year and you'll have your own fertiliser, rich fertiliser on tap throughout the season. And that's my tip for this week and I'm going to hand you over to Jobs on the Plot. The garden is springing into life at this time of year and you can really feel the promise of the season ahead as we start to see new shoots unfurling and spring blooms everywhere you go. Whether you're working from home and have a five minute coffee break to make the most of or if you're looking to utilise more time on the plot there's certainly plenty to be getting on with. Early and main crop potatoes will need to be chittered now. This means allowing them to start sprouting their shoots. Do this by standing them in an egg box or similar in a light, frost-free place. The end with the most shoots or eyes should be facing upwards. If you live in a mild area, you can make some outdoor sowings of broad beans, lettuce, radishes, chard and cabbage, for example. Be guided by your local weather and hold off a little longer if conditions don't feel favourable. If you do have to delay, You can continue making indoor sowings of tomatoes, peppers and cucumbers so you can still scratch the sowing itch. Even if you aren't making outdoor sowings at this stage, your seed beds will need to be prepared. Covering them with horticultural fleece to warm them up is a good idea so they're ready when you come to get your crops in the ground. If you have any undercover strawberry plants, these can be pollinated by hand, either by brushing your hands gently over the flowers or using a fine paintbrush to transfer pollen between the blooms. Probably one of the most important things to do in the garden in the current climate though, is to take the time to sit out there, enjoy the bird song and take a moment away from news feeds and emails and enjoy the therapeutic nature of being outside in the natural world. This was supposed to be the last episode of season one of The Dirt, But in the current climate, we thought we don't want to leave you without your regular dose of gardening chat. So me, Blake and Rose, will be back for the next few weeks with a team chat on what's going on in our own gardens. And we'd love to hear from you on our social media channels about what's going on in yours. Stay safe and until next time we speak, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. 
Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, we've got an exclusive offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6 and every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.